Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There is a way that leads to life. The few that find it never die. Past mountain peaks, graced white with snow, the way grows brighter as it goes. There is a road inside of you, inside of me there is one too. No stumbling pilgrim in the dark, the road to Zion's I'm your host, Benjamin Raven Presley. Welcome to Pathfinder Radio. Just call me Raven, all my friends do, and I consider you all to be my friends. I have an exciting announcement for everyone. The Tuesday night broadcast will now be called Spiritually Speaking, and we're adding another show on Monday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, beginning Monday, April the 20th. The new Monday night show will be called Meditations. Meditation is mentioned throughout the scriptures in over 20 places, and that does not include the many places he says to still ourselves and to hear his voice. Let me share just a few places. Psalm 5 1 says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Psalm 19 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Joshua 1 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. In Genesis 24:63, it talks about Isaac going out to the fields to meditate. Psalm 1-2 talks, says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, I'm not talking about meditation practiced by New Age types or even Far East type religions. I'm not talking about transcendental meditation. Meditation, according to scripture, is not about emptying your mind and opening up to whatever spiritual force is out there. Like these scriptures say, it's focusing our minds on God. It's meditating on the scripture. Disciplining our mind to replace fear or worry with God's peace. It's a time to quiet ourselves, quiet our mind, and to get in God's presence. Did you know it's important to practice the presence of God? It's true. He's always there all around us, always say or do, but we're the ones that's not often present. We may be there physically, but not so often our, you know, it's our mind that's racing around thinking about everything except God. And You need to intentionally take some time daily, if possible, just to be quiet before God. Some people call this their time, quiet time, or devotions, but more often than not, this devotion time is a quick read from some feel-good devotion book and a quick prayer. I believe and know from experience if we will just take some time to spend with God on a regular basis in a deliberate and intentional way, it will make all the difference in the world during the rest of our day. It will make us more aware of His presence throughout the day. James 4.8 says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. That's speaking of intentionally drawing near to Him, making a deliberate effort to draw near to Him. So the new broadcast I'm adding is called Meditations. It's going to be just that, a guided moment where I will teach you and ask you to still be still and to focus on the Scriptures. 
I will be sharing, trying to help you recognize God's presence. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. So be praying for this new edition and join me next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'll also be archiving every broadcast so you can download or listen anytime you want. You can also share with a friend who may be going through a difficult time. I just believe we need more time in God's presence, and it's my hope to guide and teach everyone who will take the time to participate. On Pathfinder Radio, I don't want to just talk. I want to minister. That's next Monday, though, and as I promised, I'm going to continue tonight on this great subject of grace. However, before we get started, let's take the time to listen to this song, and while this song is playing, take time to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you ears to hear what's about to come. The song I want to play is by Carmen. Anybody remember Carmen? He's such an amazing storyteller and did some very powerful songs in his time. In this song, he does a combination of narration and singing with the powerful message, We Need God in America Again. We could do a whole show on that, but he says it so well in this one song. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Samuel Adams, First Chief Justice John Jay. Names synonymous with the spirit of our country. Founding fathers of the USA. Over 200 years ago, they shook off the chains of tyranny from Great Britain by divine call. Citing 27 biblical violations, they wrote the Declaration of Independence with liberty and justice for all. But something happened since Jefferson called the Bible the cornerstone for American liberty, then put it in our schools as a light. Or since give me liberty or give me death, Patrick Henry said, our country was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We eliminated God from the equation of American life, thus eliminating the reason this nation first began. From beyond the grave, I hear the voices of our founding fathers plead, you need God in America again. Of the 55 men who formed the Constitution, 52 were active members of their church. Founding fathers like Noah Webster, who wrote the first dictionary, could literally quote the Bible chapter and verse. James Madison said, We've staked our future and our ability to follow the Ten Commandments with all our heart. These men believed you couldn't even call yourself an American if you subvert the Word of God. In his farewell address, Washington said, You can't have national morality apart from religious principle, and it's true. Because right now we have nearly 150,000 kids carrying guns to these war zones we call public schools. In the 40s and 50s, student problems were chewing gum and talking. In the 90s, rape and murder are the trend. The only way this nation can even hope to last this decade is put God in America again. The only hope for America is Jesus. The only hope for our country is Him. If we repent of our ways, stand firm and say, Abe Lincoln said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. So when you eliminate the word of God from the classroom and politics, you eliminate the nation that word protects. America is now number one in teen pregnancy and violent crime, number one in illiteracy, drug use, and divorce. 
Every day a new holocaust of 5,000 unborn die, while pornography floods our streets like open sewers. America's dead and dying hand is on the threshold of the church, while the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah vexes us all. When it gets to the point where people would rather come out of the closet than clean it, it's the sign that judgment of God is going to fall. If there's ever been a time to rise up church, it's now. And as the blood-bought saints of the living God proclaim, that it's time to sound the alarm from the church house to the White House and say, we want God in America again. America to stand up and proclaim that one nation under God is our demand and send this evil lifestyle back to Satan where it came from and let the word of God revive our dying land for Jesus Christ is coming back again in all his glory and every eye shall see him on that day that's why a new anointing of God's power is coming on us to boldly tell the world you must be saved because astrology won't save you. Your horoscope won't save you. The Bible says these things are all farce. If you're born again, you don't need to look to the stars for your answers. Because you can look to the very one who made those stars. History tells us time and time again. To live like there's no God makes you a fool. If you want to see kids live right, stop handing out condoms. And start handing out the word of God in schools. The only hope for America. The only hope for our country is Him. If we repent of our ways, stand firm and say we need God in America again. I know the only hope for America is Jesus. It's been used as a cover-all for sinful living, saying, well, I'm covered by grace, or the subject is often avoided for fear that the preacher may lose control of his congregation because the people will be free and will, of course, go wild, or so many think. And this all could be avoided if only grace were taught right. So the next few weeks, that's what I'm going to do here on Pathfinder Radio. You don't want to miss a single broadcast, I'm telling you. If you truly want to be free, pay attention. You'll be glad you did. If you do miss a broadcast, you can listen to the recorded archive. All links will be posted on my website at wayoftheraven.net. And just click the button there for Pathfinder Radio. 
So let's get into tonight's discussion on grace. This is part two. I want to share some truths with you that absolutely revolutionized my walk with God in this study. First of all, though, let me share with you some of my early experiences with God. My impression of God most of my life, even before I was born again, was that of an angry God. And a God that demanded obedience while at the same time was just waiting for me to mess up so he could send judgment on me and send me to hell. Anytime anything went wrong in my life, I contributed to I must have done something wrong and God's punishing me. I made God mad. The only time I heard about God's love and grace was when a preacher wanted someone to come to the altar. But once you came, things went right back to what they were before, to an angry God of judgment, a taskmaster with a heavy hand. It was as if the love of God was just a con job to get you under their control, a bait to lure you till they had you. When I was born again, I never felt so free and unfettered in my life. My born again experience was real and powerful. I felt so clean and loved God so much, and all I wanted was to live for Him and please Him. I remember someone literally telling me that if I would that I would get over that soon. <laughs> Seriously, I didn't want to get over it. And you know what? In spite of man and religion's attempts, I still have not ever got over it. Living for Christ is still as exciting to me and fresh every day. But oh, how they tried to bring me under the bondage of their legalism and control. I think they meant well. I really think they believed that 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 was what living for Christ was all about. I really tried to do it their way for a while, too, because I thought they were right, and I began to feel more under bondage than before I was saved. I knew something wasn't right, and so began my journey. I went from church to church. I read books. Some were teaching the same legalistic bondage, and then there were some that were so liberal that you couldn't tell them from the average sinner. But like Jeremiah of old, I had a fire shut up in my bones. That's Jeremiah 20, verse 9. What I had was real. I couldn't deny it. Thank God for his word and his Holy Spirit, for he's watching over me and guiding me every step of the way. The Holy Spirit was teaching me through his word and every life experience along the way, and now at last I feel free and have more understanding than I've ever had before. I say that humbly. I'm not trying to impress you. Neither am I saying I've arrived or know everything. I know I still have much to learn, but what I do know I want to share with you. John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Think about that. The law was given, but grace came. Grace came in the form of a person, Jesus Christ. Grace is not a teaching, not words upon a page or tablets of stone. Grace is a person you can have a relationship. God's not just a God of love. God is love, First John 4, 8 says. He longs to have an intimate relationship with us. This is the essential difference between Christianity and other religions. All other religions are governed by a system of moral codes and rules and laws. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Almighty God. We come under bondage when we try to make it anything but a relationship. Religion is something that man can control. It's man's attempt to create God in his own image. It goes back to the Garden of Eden to the original temptation to be as gods. Genesis 3.5 Man wants control. God wants a relationship. Anytime people try to create a system of serving God, they fall out of a relationship and intimacy with God. When the system fails, it constantly has to be propped up and one lie covers another lie until you have a system that only seeks to enslave the minds of the masses. Before we go any farther, you need to ask yourself, do you want to live under a system of laws, under bondage, or do you want a relationship with Almighty God? Do you want to be free? Then listen on. Remember last study what I said about it being a finished work that Christ accomplished? Jesus' sacrifice reconciled sinful man with a holy God. The law cannot do it. Jesus did. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him as your Lord and Savior, you can enter boldly into the presence of the Almighty God without any guilt, condemnation, or expectation of punishment. Jesus did what the law could not do. If living by the law was enough, then Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. Because of the cross, the price for sin has been paid, judgment executed. Romans 5.18 
His anger towards sin is quenched. The veil is torn in two. Matthew 27:51. Sin can no longer hinder you from entering his presence. Hebrews 4:16. But when we try to live it for ourselves rather than allowing his grace to work in us, we are returning to living by the law. In other words, doing it our own way, trying to do it in some fashion that we can control, where it's based on our performance. Christ is living in us. He's the pilot now, not us. We must allow him to guide us. Let him be the helm of our ship. Let's take a break right here and listen to this song by Margaret Becker called Find Me.
love that song. It expresses my heart many times. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you're just far away from God and you just want to stop the world and get off for a while and just get with God with no distractions and try to get back that fire you used to have? I know I do very often. Continuing in our discussion, listen to what Paul told the Galatians. This only would I learn of you, received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? That's Galatians 3, verses 2 through 3. In other words, you turn to God recognizing you could not do it on your own, and now you think you can do it on your own? Let's just take time to, you know, when you get the time to read the entire third chapter of Galatians. This chapter really explains a lot. In fact, I'm going to read it right now. Let's look in Galatians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, then go to BibleGateway.com if you're online, and you can uh, look up Galatians 3 there in any version you want. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should obey, not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you, received you the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit, and works miracles among you, does, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that which, which are of faith, that the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. And Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of your transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been given by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto faith, which should be afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, that's pretty plain to me. Yet so many choose to do it themselves. 
They could not save themselves before no matter how many good things they did. So they turned to Christ and accepted him as their Savior, but then turned right back around and still think they can please God by their works. Ask the average person what it takes to get to heaven. Most will respond by being good enough. You can't be good enough. I mean, how good is good enough? Read Galatians 3.10 again. It tells you. According to this verse, if you even fail in one point, you are guilty of all. That's why we need a Savior. Sure, we will do works as a Christian, good works as a Christian, but it will be because we can't help but do good works because Christ lives in us and through us. We don't do good works to please God anymore. I hope it is good enough. Paul uses the example of the law of Moses because that's what the people knew back then. That was the way they were raised. That was the way they had to live by the law, and then they would be saved if they performed well enough. And there are still Christians today trying to follow Mosaic law and live up to it. But even if you don't literally try to live up to Mosaic law, you are just as guilty as those who do if you think it's all about you and what you can do, and that's good enough. Apostle Paul gives a sober warning to anyone who's trying to live up to the Mosaic law as if that is still the standard, or to anyone trying to follow whatever system of works they adhere to in Galatians three ten through 12. And keep in mind, this is from a man that was an exceptional Pharisee. He knew the law up and down, backwards and forwards. He was taught by Gamaliel, who was taught by Hillel, the greatest teachers of their time. Read what he says about himself in Philippians 3, 5-10. Let's read that warning he gives us once again. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth, not in all things which are written in the book of the law, to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. You can't do it on your own. You can't be good enough. The purpose of the law was to show you you can't do it on your own. It was meant to bring us to Christ, to admit before God that we can't and to realize he can. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. That's Galatians 3, 24 and 25. No religious system or laws then or now is going to save you or make you able to live holy. Only Christ in you by his Holy Spirit can change you from the inside out and make you into who you're supposed to be. Anytime we try to do it in our own ability, we will always run into that wall that says it isn't good enough. Jesus fulfilled the law. Matthew 5.17 tells us this. When you pay a debt off to the bank, do you keep sending them payments? No, of course not. Yet that's the way many of us think when it comes to serving Christ. My friend, it's been paid in full. When the devil comes to you to point to your failures and accuse you of the law, all you have to do is to point to the payment paid in full by Jesus on the cross. The law has no hold on you anymore. You are not a debtor. Romans eight eleven through 13 confirms this. When you know this truth that Jesus has fulfilled completely the requirements of the law, the devil can no longer use the law to condemn you every time you fail. Read Colossians two thirteen through 15 And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Christ has disarmed the devil. And if you insist on living under the law and whatever system of goodness you adhere to, you're just rearming the devil. Don't put the weapon of the law back in the enemy's hands. Instead, rest in God's disarmament. Let's take a break and listen to another song. This song is by Avalon, and it says, I don't want to go a day without you. Do you feel that way? I know I do. If you're just taking God off the shelf when you need him, and you're, then you're missing out on a wonderful piece of having a regular relationship with him. 
Hi, I'm Benjamin Raven Presley. It can be a confusing world out there with many spiritual paths that just lead to confusion and destruction. It's my desire to help you on your spiritual path and make sense of it all. That's why I have written two books I think you will enjoy and find very useful as you seek to understand the Bible and what it means to walk in the Spirit. The first one is Things I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me When I Became a Christian. That's a long title, I know, but it isn't just a catchy title. That's what this book is literally about. I've been a believer since 1975, and this book is about things I had learned the hard way, the basic things you need to understand as a believer in Christ, what really matters. It's an easy read, and it's available as a Kindle download for only $2 or a paperback for $7.95. The sister book that gets much more in-depth on many subjects is Are We Making This Too Hard? This is a 400-page book that is full of lessons I've taught through the years. It explains subjects like relationships, grace, intelligent design versus evolution, why the Bible is true, and so much more. Both of these books are available on my website at wayoftheraven.net. My goal in life is to make the Bible and walking with God understandable and relevant, and I know you will benefit from these two books. And also be sure and catch my radio show, Pathfinder Radio, every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you. We've been talking about the law and how Christ fulfilled the law, but let me make sure I'm being absolutely clear here. The law is holy and just and good, but it has no power to make you holy, just, and good. The law was designed to expose your weaknesses, your sins, and your inability to be holy, just, and good. A mirror can show you your flaws, but rubbing that mirror on your face does not remove the flaws. It was basically saying, okay, you want to be holy? Here it is. Here's what you got to do. Knowing full well, you cannot live up to it. You know, and even throwing in, if you even fail on one point, you're guilty of all of it. Only the blood of Jesus can make you holy. The law was given of God for a purpose. What if we didn't have a speed limit, a state trooper that couldn't pull you over and give you a ticket for speeding because there would be no law to forbid it? The law had to be given of God so we could recognize sin. If there were no recognition of sin, there would be no need of a Savior. Because law was given, no man can say he's not a sinner, and no man can say he doesn't need Jesus. That's the purpose of the law. It was not designed to make you godly. It was meant to expose your ungodliness and make you realize you need a Savior. I think Paul's very clear that salvation is in Jesus alone when he says in Galatians 3.16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So why didn't he say it was the law? Why didn't he say seeds? It was something, if it was something we seeds could accomplish... No, he says seed, and he leaves no doubt who he's speaking of when he says, and to thy seed, which is Christ. The promise was made to Abraham about Jesus Christ. Salvation for all humankind comes through Christ and Christ alone, not through works of righteousness which we have done or can do. Titus 3, 4 through 6 makes it pretty clear. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed unto us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The devil loves to hang the law over your head and condemn you with it. But what does Romans 8, 1 say? There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Are you feeling a little more empowered? A little more free? I hope so. I can't wait till our next study as we continue to learn how to live by grace. So what does living by grace look like? But simply, it's being God-conscious instead of sin-conscious. It's being Jesus-conscious instead of devil-conscious. Grace-conscious instead of performance-conscious. Many Christians are constantly walking around, reminding themselves of their sins, condemning themselves, beating themselves up. 
Others are in this constant mode of whether they're good enough, wondering if they offended God today. There's only one cure for this and only one way to be truly free. We must become more God conscious. It is in your spirit where your conscience dwells. And it is in your spirit where your intuition dwells. It's in your spirit where you hear the voice of God and you discern what is of God and what is not. We have to get our doctrine straight or we may remain in a constant state of confusion. First Timothy 4, 1 through 3 says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. What is Apostle Paul teaching Timothy and us here? What does it mean to have your conscience seared as with a hot iron? Have you ever saw a cow branded? They heat up a hot iron with some identifying mark on it and sear that mark into the cow's flesh, claiming it for their own. Well, that's what you do every time you condemn yourself. It's as if you take a hot iron and brand yourself with sin. Every time you say, I'm not good enough, or I'm a failure, oh, I'll have to try harder, you can feel it just searing painfully into your soul, burning into your spirit, weaker and weaker you become. You've just been seduced by a doctrine of the devil. There are people that cut themselves and scarve themselves with blades on purpose because they think they deserve it. They think they're not good enough or pretty enough or they're punishing themselves for something they imagine bad about themselves. If you're born again, you're doing the same thing to yourself spiritually when you live, confess, or think that which the Word of God does not say. We are snared by the words of our mouth, it says in Proverbs 6.2. Stop it. You're a blood-bought child of God. You are redeemed from all your sins past, present, and future. Sure, you're going to fail from time to time, but Jesus didn't fail. He has you covered. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9 says. You aren't walking around on, the, on your own. The power of God is working in you to accomplish his will on earth as it is in heaven. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. That's Philippians 4, 7 through 9. And then there's another verse, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. That's Isaiah 26, 3. This next song I want to play for you is written by Michael W. Smith, but it's uh, sung by the Jesus culture. It's a live recording, and you can hear the people singing and worshiping in the background. The name of the song is called Let It Rain.
Jesus culture. They're reviving worship to God all across this nation wherever they go. They have some great music. Look them up on YouTube or something. All right, let's get a little deeper into what Apostle Paul was trying to say to us and explain. Verse Timothy 4, 3 talks about forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats. Now these are commands from the law. When we think we can live it in our own power, we're reverting back to the law. When we revert back to the law, we fall from grace. Galatians 5, 4 says, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Now, that doesn't mean you're rejected by God. It means you're choosing to do it yourself, and you're reverting back to the law. You're reverting back to being performance-based. You're basically saying, I can do this myself. I can live holy. I know more than the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 calls the law the ministration of death. Wow. Now, remember what I said before, the law, the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments. It's wholly just and good, but it has no power to make us holy, just, and good. All it can do is expose our sin. I'm not against law. I'm just saying teach it and understand its purpose according to the Scripture. Then live by grace, not performing in your own self-efforts, for it's only by living by grace that we live victorious lives. So how do we develop this God consciousness? Well, we've got to reprogram our mind and let the Holy Spirit change our desires. Fall in love with God and His Holy Word. Deuteronomy 13, 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I have set before you life and death, the blessings and the curses. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. It's up to us to choose. Every day, thousands of thoughts are presented to us, and it's up to us to choose which thoughts to think. We're not at the mercy of our thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6 tells us this. The devil can't force us to think anything. The devil can't read our mind. He can interject thoughts, but you're not at the mercy of any thought that comes into your head. You have the power to choose which you, which thoughts you will think and which one you will give place to. Very often, it's long rehearsed ways of thinking that rule us. Oh, I'll never amount to anything. Oh, I'll never get well. My marriage will always be bad. Stop it. Choose life-giving thoughts. We have to do the choosing. We have to choose right thoughts. Take a stand right now today that you will think right thoughts. You will not give up. You will outlast the devil. God is on your side. He loves you, and he will help you. So how do we reprogram our thinking? You're going to love this. The Bible never says to do without telling us how to do it. You'll want to turn your Bible to Romans 12, verses 1 through 5, and read this for yourself as I read. If you don't have a Bible, go to BibleGateway.com and read it very carefully. And make note of it. You know, read it later. Ponder these scriptures. 
Verse 1, starting with verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. So look at verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's telling us something we have to do. When we're born again, we're a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 We have a fresh start. All those things that held us bound before no longer have power over us. Read Romans 6. But God doesn't erase our mind. He gives us power, according to John 1.12. Not to erase our mind, but to put it into perspective. To bring it under subjection with us controlling it and not it controlling us. He tells us to transform our mind, to reprogram it. Well, how do we do that? He tells us step by step in this passage how. Don't listen to what your flesh and body wants. Don't surrender even when it looks hopeless, verse 1. Don't be conformed to the world. In other words, don't go by what the non-Christian world says about how you should live, verse 2. Renew your mind. Think right. Feed it the right things. How do you know what right things are? Do those thoughts prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Verse 2. If they don't, ignore them and throw them out. Let the right words come out of your mouth. Proverbs 6, 2. You need to walk different and to talk different. Look at Ephesians 4, 21 through 32. Your mind needs to hear the right words coming out of your mouth. The devil needs to hear the right words coming out of your mouth. God needs to hear the right words coming out of your mouth. You need to hear the right words coming out of your mouth. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Humble yourself before the Lord and let him give you new desires, verse 3. And he goes on to say, think soberly. Now, you know what sober and drunk is. Sober is the opposite of drunk. You can get drunk on more than alcohol, though. You can get drunk on thinking of your past, thinking the way the world thinks. You know, you can get drunk on those thoughts that I'm no good, I'm never going to amount to nothing. And, and, you know, all those thoughts that we just get drunk on, Sober up. You've got to think right. You've got to start thinking right. It's so important. So do you want to be free? Then live by grace and not self-effort. It's so much easier when you do. Man, I'm so enjoying teaching this, and I hope it's helping and blessing you as much as it's helping and blessing me. The goal of Pathfinder Radio is to tackle spiritual subjects of all kinds. If you have questions of any kind on any particular spiritual subject, I'm glad to talk with you about it. We're all on a spiritual path one way or another. Now, I know everything in this world tries to say different, like we can only see that which we can touch and see and feel. But the fact is we're physical, social, mental, and spiritual beings. And this program and its resources are here to help you find the right path to follow and to walk it every day in a realistic way. Things are more spiritually driven than you may realize, and there are so many misleading spiritual gurus out there. So mainly we're going to focus on understanding true spirituality. I do want to remind everyone listening that if you have any questions or comments, Share them in the chat box on your screen or email me at raven at waytheraven.net and just ask me anything you want. I'm not afraid to answer the tough questions as long as you're sincere and not just wanting to argue. Now, well, well, as I said, the next few studies, we're going to look even deeper into what was accomplished at the cross and what it really means to walk in grace and freedom. Ponder deeply the truths that have been shared with you in this study. They are foundational truths that will help you understand what's coming. Be prepared for your thinking to be challenged. Be prepared to be free. Be sure and spread the word and tune in every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Spiritually Speaking. 
show. And don't forget about our new show, Meditations, on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I also recommend you listen on Friday nights at 6 o'clock to Yocas Bazzarelli's show called Spiritual Minds. Good show. If you have any prayer requests, make them known in the chat box. My team and I will be praying sincerely for each and every request. Or if you wish, email your request to me at raven at wayoftheraven.net. If you want to donate to the expense of this radio show, just send your gift by PayPal at that same email address. Also available free of charge is a printed lesson from every show at pathfinderradio.blogspot.com. That's pathfinderradio, one word, .blogspot.com. There will also be other resources made available there in the days ahead. And I'd also like to make you aware of another blog I do that has many valuable studies for free called ravenquestbiblelearningcommunity.blogspot.com. If you forget all these resources, just visit my main website at waytheraven.net and you'll find links there to my blogs and books and many other useful items to assist you in your spiritual journey. It's been a great show and be sure to spread the word and listen to Spiritually Speaking every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm going to play a couple more songs and bid you farewell till next time. And I'll be online for a little while longer in case anyone has a question or comment on our chat line. And if you wish, you can also submit your questions to my email address at raven at wayoftheraven.net. You can also uh, reach us on Twitter at pradio7. That's at the sign pradio7. So there are various ways to contact us there. So uh, I'm going to play a couple more songs. And uh, God bless you and uh, be praying for you. And we'll talk to you next time. Are you looking for an exciting fantasy fiction adventure that is both family-friendly, action-packed, and inspiring? If so, then the Raven Quest series by Benjamin Raven Presley is for you. Terrazim is a world of many creatures, but it has a shadow of evil reign upon it by Shinar and his death furies. Skies and Raven are simple folk living off the land, content with their simple existence until one day they find a sword in a cave that empowers them and changes everything. They travel with wolves and even a bobcat as companions and become a force to be reckoned with and become the heroes of Terrazim. Travel with them on their adventures as you read Raven Quest. Raven Quest is up to three volumes with Volume 4 coming out June 2015. For a limited time, purchase all three volumes for only $25. Order your copies today at wayoftheraven.net. That's wayoftheraven.net.
don't know how it is you looked at me and saw the person that I could be. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.